Get Haunted with your host, Nat Strawn and Allie. Well, guys, we are so excited to be back. I feel like whenever we take a week off, it just feels like I've never done this podcast before. I just get like stage fright or something or what is it? Like I'm nervous. I get that too. I feel like because January and February we were recording every single week. Yeah. But because March has like five Wednesdays, which is absurd. How is that legal? We got to take a week off from uploading an episode. And so now I'm just like, how how do hold Mike? <laughs> Like how, it's funny how because to be interesting when you're doing it all the time the stakes are just so low like you don't care right you're just like oh if people like it great if they don't like it like uh, great I literally don't care you know but then right, like yeah. you take that one week off and all of a sudden you're like oh I really hope everyone likes me if you guys want to know a secret Natalia and I already tried to record this intro <laughs> last <laughs> We already tried to record it and we were just being so negative because there's some shit going on with our merch that we're not going to talk about because we're staying positive this episode. But we recorded like a whole 25 minute intro and then we listened to it back and we were like, nobody is going to be interested in this. This is so negative. Basically, the screen printing supplier just hurt my feelings and I was talking about it for (laughs) like 20 minutes. But that's all it was. Well, all you guys need to know is fuck that guy. He fucking <laughs> lied to Natalia's face and was inconvenienced us. And maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. If you want to know the tea on what goes on with our merch behind the scenes, drop a comment in the SoundCloud. But in the meantime, there are some people who have donated to this podcast that we need to shout out. Oh, because yeah. you guys are the best fucking people on earth. So Natalia good. texted me and she was like, why does everyone on earth fucking suck dick except for our amazing <laughs> listeners who like are so supportive and positive? And I definitely agree. There's a lot of bullshit garbage people in the world, but it's right. not these people. Gina G, Rebecca H, Azim, Kate, Liz de la Fuente, Alicia C, Grace K, I love you, M. Darby Draws. Darby, you made some fucking dope ass uh, fan art. It's on our Instagram if you guys want to go check it out at Let's Get Haunted. Chaotic Kina, Levi, Lexi, Sky T, Isabel G, Sean, Scott, Heidi, Kara H, and Audra. Thank you guys so much. And I've got Kathleen O, Karina B, Jesse S, Brielle S, Jennifer P, Chloe C, Jacob G, Jillian M, Gabby K, Lewis W, Scott V, Riffy S, Brielle S again, Kate K, and Harvey A. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate all of the donations. As you guys know, we are ad-free. It's not by choice, but I just thought I would let you know. And also, yeah, great. And the reason I'm saying that is because I know we have a lot of new listeners from our dynamic banter episode. So I I just am trying to paint us like this really professional podcast where it's a choice that we don't have ads. (laughs) And we're like Wikipedia, like 
every time you log in, you're like, please give us money. We choose to not have ads for you. That's so true. And how fitting because Wikipedia is our favorite source, even though they fucking hate us. If you guys have been here for a while, you know that we have tried to have a Wikipedia page made for our podcast. And every time they deny us. And then once I tweeted at Wikipedia and I was like, hey, how come you won't like approve our page? And I guess there's like Wikipedia fanboys on Twitter. I did not know that was a thing. And they literally just have like alerts set on their phones for anytime anyone mentions Wikipedia. And so this guy who's like at was like Wikipedia bros 72. It probably wasn't that, but it was something like that. And he was just like, Oh, I'll tell you why. Wikipedia is actually a very esteemed source and you guys are irrelevant and therefore you have no page or something. It was something like that. Even though they use us as a source. Like, you know, on Wikipedia, how they have like a little tiny number and then you go to the bottom of the footnotes and you can see where the source is. We have been used as a source for facts on paranormal things (laughs) that probably aren't facts. But still, we're not allowed to have our own Wikipedia page. It's funny because I started talking shit one day when I was mad on Twitter to Wikipedia. I was just like, at Wikipedia. (laughs) And I can't remember what I said, but I got shadow banned. And I know I got shadow banned because normally I'll get like at least like 20 likes or something like right off the bat. And I didn't get it got like it didn't get any likes and it was up for like 30 minutes. And then I was like, well, maybe I'm just an asshole for trying to start with shit with Wikipedia and like no one supported me. (laughs) But I like literally thought I was going into battle. I was like, yeah, I'm going to start shit with Wikipedia. And then like everyone's going to comment on this and like it and repost and share it. And then before you know it, like we've got our own page on Wikipedia. But instead, either I got shadow banned immediately or Wikipedia or just no one liked it. You know what it was? I called Wikipedia a bitch. I was <laughs> well, the facts. Nothing but facts. Now, will I continue to use Wikipedia in every single episode I ever do? Of course. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That would they be crazy be, not to. Yeah, it would be crazy not to. They're such a great source of information. However, Wikipedia, if you're listening to this, <laughs> if the sentient online encyclopedia is listening to this, please, for the love of God, give us a podcast page. We don't have much but we do have our pride and we would no, we have no pride. And that is why I'm groveling and asking you for a page. Please, Wikipedia. We've tried Please. everything. Now we're begging. Please. You know what? What do what do we want the dynamic banter people to know about our podcast? If you're new here, we you should know we have ongoing beef slash we're not good enough for Wikipedia. <laughs> Yes, that is true. Also, we have a nut button that is, that is true. obsolete humor from maybe six years ago, but it's still <laughs> in our podcast. It's a part of our lives. We have an amazing fan base called The Haunted Fam or The Haunties or whatever you guys want to call yourself more. We let you choose. This is a choose your own adventure podcast. Yeah. Do you want to enjoy yourself? <laughs> then you should make that decision before you start listening. You should set your expectations really low. Do you want to think, my God, these are the two most annoying bitches I've ever heard in my life then don't skip the intros there are two kinds of members of the haunted fam there are people who skip the intros and there are people who don't suck and we hope that you are one of the people who choose to listen to us complain for 10 to 20 minutes every episode 
Right. Our intros, lately they've been spicy and like 15 minutes long, but sometimes they get 20 minutes long. But if you don't want to hear the intro, if you skip to about 15 to 20 minutes in, then you will hear the story. And on this podcast, we tell stories that are researched by us for us. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. We will only tell a story on here if it's something that we were like, my life has changed now that I know this. Because sometimes Natalia and I will research a story and we'll have like we'll have wasted like 12 hours of our lives on a story, like mm-hmm. researching it. And then we realize it's not interesting and we'll just scrap it. Right. So what you can count on from this podcast <laughs> is we may not be the best. I may be recording from inside my closet, <laughs> hunched over uh, on the ground, but we put our heart into it. And really, what more could you ask for out of a podcast? We really do. We really put our hearts into it. We put our hearts so far into this podcast that if you don't like it, please don't leave a one-star review. Oh, just please. Just please. It really hurts our feelings. There's not many of them, and every time there is one, Alyssa lets me know. You guys, we're very fragile. Natalia and I were also talking about that today off camera. We were like, we have a lot of feelings. So if you guys could just, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about leaving a review for us, Please leave us a five-star review. We also have a stalker. If you are just tuning in for the first or second time, you can go back to previous episodes and learn about it because there's no time to explain. But sometimes the stalker rears her head and will create fake accounts to harass us. So if you leave a five-star review, it actually, it really does help us and it counteracts that negativity and then we feel good. Yeah. So, and if you don't like this podcast, simply do not listen because it doesn't get better. Don't keep giving us chances because we will disappoint you. You either like it or you don't. And also big news, big announcement here, guys. Are you ready? Alyssa, are you ready for this big announcement that you already know what it is? <laughs> I'm, wait, no, tell me. We hit one million streams. I wish I had fucking, I was trying to think of how to do an air horn noise and I can't do it. Oh, I don't yeah, know how. Need... Wait, let me get, we need like a soundboard. Let me get, hold on. I'm, I'm going to go on YouTube. Wow, that was, what, that was I love, actually really good. What you guys need to know though is that this is not, Alyssa's acting surprised, but this is not a surprise at all to Alyssa because she's been sending me an Excel spreadsheet weekly with all of our numbers across the board, literally telling me exactly when we're going to get to a million (laughs) streams. She's like, if we record four episodes per month and put them out, here are the numbers. My projection is that we will reach one million streams by March. And she was right. I was right, you guys. Also, I tried to load a YouTube video. This is coming like two minutes too late now. But I tried to load an air horn sound effect. And instead, it just has like this intro, this like weird music for the intro. So it's not even like it doesn't even work. What? Where is the air horn? Hold on. (laughs) Okay, that sounds like an angry ship farting at sea. (laughs) Well, I, I tried. Anyway, guys, thanks for thanks for listening. Is this also, the worst intro you've heard in a while? No, we're going to continue to tell the, the new listeners, the dynamic banter people, too, what they can expect. Alyssa is better at police work than the actual police, and there are several instances <laughs> to back that up that we talk about in our intros. I'm just going to name two off the top of my head. 
One where she found someone with a meth lab and reported them to the police and told them that they were going to start a fire in an endangered part of her community and take out endangered wildlife. And the police did nothing about it. And then what do you know? A giant fire broke out and it took out some of the endangered wetlands. Now, also a second one, which I think is the most interesting thing that Alyssa has ever told me about is one time her credit card got stolen by a thief. And instead of calling, instead of just canceling the credit card like a normal person and moving on with her life, Alyssa decided to track down this woman by watching what she was buying with the credit card around her community and then literally staked it out and went to where this woman was going to be and caught the woman got her credit card back from this woman. Because of that reason, because Alyssa is actually better at doing police work than the police, Alyssa really seems lately to not like the police. And I've come to the conclusion because <laughs> she's like, they just don't do anything. And I'm like, dude, no one's going to do as much as you do. Like, do you realize this? You're constantly doing the most about everything. What Natalia is referring to most recently is somebody that I know Uh, received a straight up death threat and I can't really go into it because it's an ongoing situation but the police basically were like oh no crime has occurred here even though it was literally somebody saying in writing like I am going to fucking kill you like I am going to come to where you are and murder you they were like oh no that's not a crime to do that and I'm like yeah it absolutely is and so I had to do a bunch of shit to figure out who the person was welcome to our (laughs) podcast guys we're so happy to have you guys here the dynamic banter guys are fucking amazing we love mike and steve they were super fun and i we both listened to their podcast episode where they were talking about us saying that maybe we should like do a meetup at the winchester uh mansion but also not like it was it was unclear (laughs) if they wanted fans to do a meetup there without us or if they wanted us to go there and (laughs) tell them a story about the winchester house while they just enjoyed the story but you know what either way we're down we we're like down them a lot we there are a few things that we're not down for and we are very down to do another collaboration with the dynamic banter boys also lgh listeners if you can please go to at dynamic banter on instagram or to their youtube channel and just leave a little comment that says lgh sent me or like yeah. came here from the lgh collab right we would so appreciate it because they really did us a solid by coming on our show they mm-hmm. are like professional seasoned comedians and youtubers we have so much respect for them they did not have to come on the show and they did and i see so many dynamic banter listeners coming over to our podcast and we really appreciate it because as Natalia mentioned we do all of this ourselves we do the editing the research the producing everything ourselves it's definitely a grassroots movement we also we don't know what we're doing most of the time so it's really nice when like some professionals want to collab with us so if you guys could go leave a comment on their Instagram we would really appreciate it yes yes all right let's get into the story Alyssa First of all, I yes. want to say thank you for being my co-host and helping me <laughs> with this story today. Uh-oh. You know this is going to be a good episode when we're starting with that. Is this is this akin to the Whaley house? No, but what I you guys, I really just tried to be different here, okay? Like I tried to like find out <laughs> some stuff that no one reported on before. So, bear with me. Well, that that sounds good. That doesn't sound bad. I'm ready. Do you know what a ghost town is? Yeah. 
Absolutely. What is it? A ghost town is an abandoned town. So a lot of the time it'll happen, like during the gold rush, all of these little shanty towns would pop up wherever gold was found. And then once gold was no longer in that area, all the people who settled there would move on to a different town. So I know there's like a lot of these ghost towns in deserts on the way to Las Vegas from L.A. Totally. And have you ever been to any of these places? Yeah, I went to Calico Ghost Town once. That's the one I'm specifically thinking of that's on the way to Vegas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like a little pioneer town and they had people, a couple people that would work there and like you could like pan for gold or like they had some of the old buildings there. It was like a tourist attraction sort of. Yeah, yes. So yes, there are some ghost towns that have been turned into tourist attractions. But most ghost towns are villages or towns that exactly like you said, they were abandoned by their original inhabitants, either due to a natural disaster like an earthquake or a landslide or for economic, demographic, environmental or structural reasons. And these reasons can be the lack of modern conveniences, the obsolescence of the local economic activity like mining, the construction of new roads and railways that bypass the original town, or the depletion of natural resources, or simply due to the dwindling of an elderly population. Now, we've talked about some of these towns like outside of Vegas or in deserts, but have you ever been to a ghost town somewhere really beautiful, somewhere that was like attractive, somewhere that that seemed like why would people ever leave this place this place is so nice no i don't think i ever have i feel like every ghost town i've ever heard of or been to is always in the desert and maybe that's just because i live in california and we have a lot of desert but no i can't if if you were in a beautiful place yeah i don't know why you would abandon it there's this region in italy which has a super high volume of ghost towns. In fact, the region is host to more ghost towns than any other area in the country. Can you guess which part of Italy has a bunch of these deserted towns, Alyssa? I want to say it's going to be somewhere in the countryside because I know Italy has had a lot of economic problems throughout its history as a country. So I feel like people in the country would be most affected by that. So I actually don't know much at all about Italy, which is what I learned (laughs) by doing this episode. Apparently, there's like a lot of seismic activity in Italy. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that. No. Yeah, they get tons of earthquakes. So everyone knows that Italy is like a big boot, right? Down near the bottom of the boot, like at the heel and the toe and the arch, there's tons of earthquakes and seismic activity. And there's also just seems to be like just bad vibes all around that area. A large concentration of ghost towns or abandoned villages can be found in this impoverished and seismically active portion of the southern regions of Italy. For example, there's this town called Craco. I'm going to send you some photos of it so you can see it because it's absolutely beautiful. Okay. I would love to go to Italy. Go ahead and tell people what you see in that photo. So Natalia just sent me a photo and what I'm looking at, at, honestly, at first I thought it was a mountain, but now I'm seeing it's a town. It's like, a, it almost looks like a town carved out of rock. I don't know. All of the houses are the same color. It looks like they're made out of stone. It's kind of hard to tell from the photo. Uh, and it has these beautiful rolling green hills with green trees. And then this beautiful blue sky with white fluffy clouds. It's like an idyllic medieval town looking yeah, shit. It- It looks like it was literally painted and hung on some mom's wall underneath like a live, laugh, love sign, right? Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. But actually, this place ended up becoming a ghost town because there was poor farming, earthquakes, landslides, and war, which all contributed to a mass migration of Krakow's population between 1892 and 1922. And then in 1963, a landslide caused the evacuation of the remaining 1,800 inhabitants to a nearby valley. Krakow has since remained untouched, and it's been that uses a backdrop for many movies, among which Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. Oh. And the James Bond movie Quantum of Solace. So super haunted town, but it's making it work for it. There's this other ghost town that's in this area, this cursed area of Italy, called Bindatilo. I mean, I guess, yeah, why would you want to live in an area with a bunch of earthquakes and landslides? But I also feel like technology and architecture has progressed to the point where... I I don't know. I'm I would live in this area. It looks beautiful. If as long as like you're living in a structurally structurally sound house. Right. So this town is on this mountain called Monte Calvario, and the town was founded as a colony of a Greek city in 640 BC, but then it was sacked by invaders. And then finally they had like a renewed time of prosperity, but then it was damaged by an earthquake in 1783, which caused much of the population to migrate to a different town. There's also this other village um, that's in the same region called Romagnano. Sorry, I do not speak Italian, by the way, guys. So if this is just <laughs> coming off like super fucked up, I'm trying to have an accent like my best. I, I don't know. So Romagnano was destroyed by an earthquake in 1980 and then rebuilt. There's another town that's called Monteriano, which is a ghost town, and it's now part of a famous nature reserve. The reason that it went under is because malaria plagued the town. There's also this other town called Ninfa, which was destroyed in 1297 and then eventually was repopulated. In the 16th century, it was again abandoned due to malaria. There's another town in in there called Balestrino, and it's like no one even knows why it became a ghost town. It just, there was like an earthquake that happened in 1887 that coincides with a drop in the population, so people think maybe that's what happened to it, but it's really mysterious. No one really knows why it became a ghost town. It just sort of did, and there's just this ghost town now there, The last ghost town that I'm going to tell you really quickly is called Busana Vecchia, and it's a thousand-year-old ghost town. It was destroyed in 1887 by an earthquake, and then it was inhabited by artists. And now these artists keep, like, in the 1950s, the Italian police were basically like, you can't live in this, like, abandoned town. It's just not safe, and um, it's it's a thousand-year-old town. Like, the stairs and windows and things like that could just collapse at any point and just kill all of you, so don't live here. But this group of artists was just like, nah, we're going to live here. And they still live there. (laughs) So, well, good for them. Basically, what I'm saying is this area is sort of like a no man's land. Like, it's super beautiful. There's mountains everywhere and you can see the ocean. It's like panoramic views. So people want to live there. It makes sense to make a town there. But then malaria happens or earthquakes happens or people don't even know what happened to that one town so it's just kind of like a lot of ghost towns in this area now there's this one ghost town that is a cursed town and it still exists and it has inhabitants and it has a very peculiar history and story have you ever heard of colobrado 
No, I have not. Well, the reason you haven't heard of it is because it's this tiny Italian town which is so cursed that even speaking its name aloud is said to hex anyone who mutters its namesake, Colabraro. Whoa. In fact, Colabraro is reputed to be the nation's unluckiest village. The town is so cursed that Italians refer to the town as, quote, the village without a name, as its very name is considered a bringer of bad luck. Oh, I love that. I love that kind of lore. Even saying the name of this town aloud is going to curse you. People have made a nickname for this town rather than risk being cursed for life. They refer to Colobraro as Shilupese, which means, quote, that village in the local dialect. Side note, I'm just thinking like that village, that bitch, you know, like, I'm, yeah, <laughs> like I'm picturing this Italian yeah. town has this like Instagram that's super extra, just like beautiful angles <laughs> of like this Italian town. And the caption just says like that village, that bitch. <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. Also, this that's amazing because we've heard, you know, Bloody Mary or Beetlejuice or Voldemort uh-huh. and like different things where if you say the name, something's supposed to happen or like it gives it more power or something in the case of Voldemort. So I love the idea of a town that's so fucked up and chaotic that you just don't even want to say its name. And that's exactly what Colabraro is. And I just keep saying the name over and over again. Maybe I should switch over because Maybe that's why we've been having such bad luck. Because you've been saying it? Okay, yeah. From here on out, I'm going to just call it that village. All right, guys? Got it. So, why is this village cursed, you ask, Alyssa? Why is this village cursed, Natalia? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you why. Thank you for asking. So, (laughs) stories of deformed births taking place in that village, particularly tales of newborns with two hearts and three lungs, began circulating around southern Italy, which led to a verbal tradition of sudden freak accidents happening in that village. Suspicious car accidents have long plagued that village. Is it the winding streets and narrow pathways that cause car accidents, or... Is it something supernatural? In fact, the fear of the town's bad omen runs so deep that the police won't even punish visitors who speed down that village's maze-like roads out of fear of being cursed for attempting to intervene in the town's evil plan. Additionally, even the geography is said to be cursed as the region is host to sudden, strange landslides, which seem to have started without a natural cause. Also, if you say the name of that town aloud, you must be quick to touch wood as a good luck charm to drive away any oh, bad luck. Like knocking on wood in American culture, but in Italian culture, you just have to touch the wood? Yes. So this area of southern Italy is is host to a lot of bad vibes, right? Like we've got all of these ghost towns mm-hmm. that were at, abandoned for like freak accidents or uh, pandemics, plagues, you know, or war. Right. There's just bad energy going around. And now we have one of these few standing towns where there's continuing to be inhabitants there. And the neighboring towns in the area are like, don't we don't even say that town's name aloud because it's got bad vibes. What do you think, Alyssa? Do you believe in a cursed area? Oh, absolutely. We've talked about cursed areas before on this show. 
I I feel like we've talked about, for example, like energy vortexes or energy portals or just like areas that have a lot of energy. It can go either way. You could either have like some of some quote unquote energy portals like in um, Sedona, Arizona. It's like an attraction. Like people want to go there because they think that you feel more in tune or aligned with yourself. And then there's other places that are considered energy vortexes. I know there's one in London that I had started to research and then not done a story on. So I won't give it away in case one of us chooses it in the future. But it was like that area had like a ton of haunted houses or like a ton of murders. And so it can go either way. Sometimes you've got a really good energy vortex. Sometimes you've got a really terrible energy vortex. That's at least how I interpret like cursed towns, quote unquote, is I'm like something here happened that like changed the vibration of the area. Also, how do you spell, how do you spell this town's name? C O L O B R-A-R-O. Colobraro? Yeah, but I was like, Colobraro. I don't know. I feel like that's how they would say it, but it could yeah. be something Oh, no, totally I don't know different. how to pronounce it either. Don't, don't you have you know Italian what? background? Like, don't you speak Italian? Yeah. Let me... Okay. Colobraro, Italy. I just want to see how, how it's spelled. Col- Colobraro. Yeah. Colobraro. But you got to be like, Colobraro. Colobraro. <laughs> Yeah, no. Our one Italian listener is like, okay, fuck you guys. I am leaving a one-star review and I'm never listening to it ever again. But but that person, before you leave the one-star and never listen to it again, can you tell us if that's exactly how you pronounce it? <laughs> also, how about instead of leaving a one-star review, you just never listen to us again? Yeah, please. Thank you. Please. Because we're very fragile people and also our podcast is very small. If you leave a one-star review, it not only hurts our algorithm, it also breaks our hearts. And I don't think you want that on your conscience. (laughs) So let me tell you some more about Colobrado and the origins of this curse and then go down a bunch of rabbit holes. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. So Colobrado is located in southern Italy and the region of Basilicata. I I know for a fact we have some Italian listeners and they're just like slapping their foreheads. Guys, I'm so sorry. This is, I'm doing my best. (laughs) It is one of the agricultural centers in the Sassini River Valley. It's located on the southern slopes of Mount Calvario at a height of 630 meters with views of the whole Ionian Sea coast. It borders a bunch of Italians, like Italian towns that I'm not even going to attempt to say. Okay. Basically, what you guys need to know (laughs) is that this is an Italian town on top of a mountain with a panoramic ocean view it's surrounded by other towns which are similar in size and nature a lot of them are ghost towns it's also located on the arch of the italian boot if you know what i'm talking about then leave a comment in the sound clouds okay (laughs) leave a comment in the sound clouds (laughs) you guys Natalia, are you doing are you doing all right? I'm like, I don't I know. Think that, I feel like you're cursed. I think you're cursed from saying this town's name too many times. <laughs> I feel like I'm losing my mind. All right. Here's a satellite image taken by the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. So we know that this is a real sp- place. I'm sending it to you right now. Okay. I'm ready. I'm excited. I would love to go to Italy. That would be fucking great. And if I do go to Italy, you guys, I will go to this ghost town that's exactly why i did this i'm just like fuck ohio like i'm trying to go to southern italy you know from here on out i'm only going to talk about places i want to go so that we just get there eventually manifest 
So I sent you that photo. So I'm looking at this photo Natalia sent me, and it's definitely a satellite image. You can see the entire country of Italy. So we know Italy is a real place. Confirmed. It is real. Uh, confirmed. LGH is the first podcast to ever confirm that Italy is, in fact, real. <laughs> and also the first podcast to confirm that it is, in fact, shaped like a boot kicking a triangle. <laughs> yes, that little triangle is, of course, Sicily, but... The town of Colabraro, I can see it right here. It is on the arch of the boot. So Natalia told zero lies in this episode yeah, so far. I keep it 100. Okay. So yes. in this area of southern Italy, it's a very super... Oh, I don't even want to say superstitious because I feel like that can be kind of like... Discounting. Yeah, it can be discounting. But the articles that I were was reading like calls it like a superstitious area. So, okay. located between Calabria and Puglia, which is Italy's southern Basilicata region, and there's still really strong links to tradition and, quote, superstition. I'm giving my finger quotes. These villages that dot southern Italy's region are places where families have lived for hundreds, sometimes thousands of years, and their history is sacred to them. They don't want like a bunch of random tourists coming to their towns and just like ruining the vibe. Also, right. as we know, this area, they, they fear talking about the bad luck is going to bring it into their lives, right? Like that's why they don't even talk oh. about that town, Colabraro. They're like, we don't even talk about that town. Because of this, it's really hard to get information about this town. Like, I was able to find out that it exists and that locals won't say the name of it. But I was, like, trying to research it and figure out, well, why, like, how did this curse happen? How did this hex happen? And I found found a bunch of different articles that all kind of have variations of the same origin story. So I'm going to have okay. you read this origin story that comes from the Colobraro Facebook page so we know it's legit. The story goes that Biagio Virgilio was a wealthy, fiery-eyed local attorney who never lost a case and had plenty of enemies. One day in court, to stress his point, he exclaimed, If what I say is false, may this chandelier come down. And it did. Although no one was hurt, his name became synonymous with bad omens and put the hex on Colabraro's reputation. Anything negative was linked to his curse, and the lawyer's descendants fled the town. Later, an anthropologist visited the town, desperately searching for a fatuchiera, a sorceress to remove the evil eye, believed to be caused by other people's bad thoughts, and cast spells. A few years later, an anthropologist came to Colabraro with his research team. He wanted advice on how to remove an evil eye against him, and information on how to cast spells. The man was told to see La Catre, an old, pleasant woman with deep wrinkles, and thought he'd finally found the person he was looking for. But he complained that he and his research team fell victim to mysterious accidents during their visits, according to the superstition. From then on, Colabraro became famed as a witch's lair, but Elena di Napoli, who is a descendant of the woman and is in charge of the tourist board, said, My great-great-grandmother wasn't a witch just an old peasant lady who maybe had the looks of one. Across the decades, landslides, injuries, freak accidents, as well as stories of gatherings of witches, have reinforced the superstition. And Italians are notoriously superstitious. The curse is said to affect only visitors of the town. Men from neighboring villages also have an unusual tradition when they have to visit Colabraro. 
they need to scratch at their genitals because it will protect them from the bad signs. It sounds bizarre, but in southern Italy, that's supposed to ward off bad omens. That sounds like an excuse to pleasure yourself in front of people, but I I digress. Double, double horn signs are also made with the fingers to fight the evil eye. An evil eye is thought to be a hex caused by another person's negative thoughts against you, which is supposed to be commonplace in Colabrero. The wielder of the evil eye, the Jetatore, is described as having a striking facial appearance, high arching brows with a stark stare that leaps from its black eyes. He often has a reputation for clandestine involvement with dark powers and is the object of gossip about dealings in magic and other forbidden practices. Successful men having tremendous personal magnetism quickly gain notoriety as jettatori. Pope Pius IV was dreaded for his evil eye, and a whole cycle of stories about the disasters that happened in his wake were current in Rome during the latter decades of the 19th century. Public figures of every type, from poets to gangsters, have their specialized abilities attributed to the power of their eyes. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, I love a good superstition. I love a good folktale. I love lore very much. So I just want to go into this by saying I believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think it's very, I just think it's always so funny every time we hear a description of a witch, it's like she had wrinkles, therefore she was a witch. I'm like, fuck, I have wrinkles. <laughs> Like, am I a witch now? Uh, well, I guess I can only hope. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds really cool. So basically what they're saying is that there was this attorney that lived in this region. Right, and he was also and the mayor was like, at the time of the town. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't catch that. So he was also the mayor of the town and he was super like charismatic and successful. And then one day in court, it's almost like he was so confident and had so much hubris that he was just like, you know what? I'm telling the truth. Why are we even here? Like, why am I even arguing my point? Why would I lie to you? In fact, if my story is not true and my client is guilty, then this chandelier should just fall down right now. But then (laughs) he said that and the chandelier fell down. Right. Which is incredible. I fucking love that image. That would be perfect in a comedy. <laughs> Are you familiar <laughs> with Malogio? Do you know what that is? Malogio? Malogio? Malogio. No, I don't know. So have you heard of the evil eye? Yes. Yes, I have. Right. It's like that blue thing with the it looks like an eye and it's blue and you see it like all over the Mediterranean and like celebrities wear it in their jewelry and stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know it from like glass hangings that like Armenian or Iranian or Persian people put on their walls. And it's exactly how you described it. It's like a dark blue circle with a white circle inside it with a light blue circle inside it with a black pupil inside it so it looks like a crazy scary blue eye in my opinion I think it looks scary (laughs) but it's I know that at least in like Persian culture it's supposed to be like a way to ward off bad intentions it's supposed to be like an amulet or something right well so this is a totally different idea I guess in Italian culture there is this idea of malocchio which which comes from like a bad eye where rather than it protecting you from having bad luck it's it's the look that one person gives to another person if they're jealous or envious 
and it could be on purpose or not on purpose, but according to Italian folklore, those who give the malocchio can cause harm to someone else. And legends say it's just another way of putting a curse on others that can cause physical pain, such as the head or stomach aches, or even cause misfortune. And for example, people try to avoid getting malocchio like you avoid getting envious looks or getting jealous looks and so people try not to boast or they try to like dress um in a way where people wouldn't be jealous of them because they don't want to be cursed and have this like misfortune come on them so there's like a, a famous italian saying like don't show someone your engagement ring because it'll split in half because they're going to be jealous whether on purpose or not on purpose. I feel like that's just practical advice. It sounds, I mean, of course, I think people should be able to wear whatever they want, do whatever they want. But I, this sounds like coming from like an ancient time where maybe they thought like, oh, if you show somebody, if you go outside wearing your fancy jewelry, somebody's going to rob you. So don't do it. And we're going to call it Malocchio. And we're going to say that it's going to curse you if you make someone jealous. Right. Or like if you're dating someone and they're super awesome and then you're just posting photos of them like all over your Instagram and then people are like, oh, my God, that person's super awesome. And then they slip into their DMs, steal them away from you all because you were bragging about them. Wow. This is a case for (laughs) making sure that your hot significant other is chained up in your basement is what it sounds like (laughs) so that nobody else can have them. No, you don't have to chain them in your basement. You just shouldn't like flaunt them out in public like don't put on the fanciest leash you heard it here folks don't put on your fanciest leash and fanciest collar put them in the normal stuff when you take them out you guys you heard it here first natalia is actively (laughs) advocating for you to take your hot significant other and keep them in your basement so that no one can be jealous of them and you can't be mad at her because this is just it's just a cultural italian (laughs) belief So if you get this malocchio, this curse or whatever, it's you're supposed to have like a headache or something. So I was watching some videos of people who were claiming that they had malocchio in Italy and like they were saying, oh, it's just like if you don't feel good that day or you have a headache or you just feel off, you say like, oh, I have malocchio, like something happened and you can test for it. So the way you do it is you get a bowl of water, then you pour some olive oil in it. And if the olive oil stays like in a glob, then you don't have malocchio. But if the olive oil like disperses really quickly, then you do have malocchio and you have to have your Nona pull it out of you. So your grandma. Yeah, I don't know if it has to be your grandma, but according to the YouTube videos that I watched, (laughs) it was always a grandma that healed them. So I came to the conclusion as someone who doesn't speak Italian and wasn't really sure what I was watching and just has like a seventh and eighth grade Latin education, I decided that I was fine. I was just going to use my minimal Latin knowledge to translate it in my head. And I didn't really understand a whole lot of what was going on. The gist that I got was... Someone has a headache if they have malocchio and then your grandma can take it out of your head. I believe it. The end. Right. Like simply, I believe it. Say no more. In addition to the chandelier myth, generations of Colobraro residents have long passed down tales of witches and wizards, as well as the Maschiare, which are powerful women famous throughout southern Italy in the 1950s, who were said to maintain control of their village through magical arts, casting curses, and brewing potent spells. 
due to these stories, the village has become notorious across Italy for having a hex on it and bringing bad luck to everyone around it. Have you ever heard of the mascara, which is a type of 1950s witch in Italy? No, but I love the name. Yeah, because it kind of sounds like mascara. So (laughs) (laughs) in, in Italy, there's this like legend of these witches called the Maschiare and they come from different periods but basically they're all connected to the Middle Ages. The most famous of all of these witch stories come from this place called Benevento. Their cult dates back to the Middle Ages. The tradition says that witches used to make macabre rituals around a big walnut tree during the night in Benevento's outskirts. They used to hang the head of a billy goat on a branch of a tree. And then they hit that billy goat's head with arrows while riding a horse counterclockwise around the tree. (laughs) At the end of the ritual, they used to eat the head's meat because they believed that they could acquire the animal's strength. When the duke decided to convert himself and the city to Christianity, the walnut tree was cut and someone says that a viper or a snake fell out of the trunk. Benevento's witches also used to fly over the city with magical brooms to scare people. Fuck, that's so cool. Then they used to meet in banquets where they recited magical formulas. The most important witch in Benevento is Gennara, a woman born at Christmas's midnight who hasn't received properly the confirmation sacrament. During the night, Gennara becomes a spirit thanks to a magical ointment, and she enters houses under the doors to kill people. To avoid this, people put in front of their doors a broom or some ears of wheat because Janaras are attracted to counting the broom's strings or the wheat's grains. Another famous witch is the Zocolara, a mysterious woman who walks in Benevento's alleys making noise with her clogs. She derives from the Roman goddess Icate, who used to only wear one sandal. Also, Manalango is a woman who died falling into a well, and now she pulls down anyone who leans too far from wells, balconies, or windows. Also, in Benevento... There's a famous liquor named Strega, which Striga is witch in Italian, and the recipe is unknown by ordinary people. So some people think that this liquor was actually a witch's liquor that the witches would drink at the at these witch meetings. So there's so much of this folklore of witches that are kind of like tied into Italian culture and it kind of makes you wonder, like, where did these stories come from? They had to have been inspired by real things. Like, it's not like just someone was just sitting there and was like, hey, I'm going to make up a story about a, how a bunch of women with a bunch of wrinkles got on their horses and rode counterclockwise and shot a billy goat's yeah. head and then ate it and became strong. And, and You know what I mean? So wait, so did, did these witches live in Colabraro? They lived in that same region. Oh, got it. Okay. In southern Italy. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I definitely, I laughed when you were talking about, like, ride your horse in a counterclockwise fashion around the witch walnut tree <laughs> with a billy goat stuck to it. Just only, I only laugh because there's so many steps to consider. It's like, here is a list of, like, 15 things you need to do in this order in order to gain the strength of a goat, which to me is really funny. But also, I totally believe it. I totally believe somebody was doing that. 
It also sounds really fun. Like, I would become a witch. That sounds so fun. When I hang out with my friends, we just go on a hike and, like, talk about, our, like, bitch about our lives. Like, it would be so right. sick if I was like, hey, let's hang out with our friends and, like, rub ointment all over our body and then get on horses and go around counterclockwise and try to shoot shit with arrows, you know? It sounds, it almost sounds like a, a hazing ritual or something. I wonder if the real witches were, like, Oh, you want to join our secret witch coven? Well, you've got to ride counterclockwise on a horse and shoot out <laughs> the head of a billy goat. And they're just all secretly watching on their right. broomsticks in the sky, just like laughing like these bitches. They think that they're witches, but they're not. And that's like where we get the tale from is that it's actually just like a bunch of mean girls were like made someone do this ritual that's like impossible right. and then they right. were like didn't become a witch so they went and told everyone and they're like they're going and doing this they're running around counterclockwise on horses and billy goat's <laughs> head even though they like only did that one time right yeah so Alyssa, yes there's this area this haunted area this village we're not supposed to say the name of they are known around southern italy at this point as being haunted to say the least and instead of just being like, oh, we're haunted, they really <laughs> try to turn it around <laughs> into a positive. And what what do you guess they do? Do they like sell shirts that say like Italy's most haunted city or something? Close. They started an original organized annual street show that's called Dream of a Night in that village back in 2011. So every August, they have visitors that come from all over the region and they watch these plays that star these characters like witches, maschiare, like we talked about, um, creepy characters, like just werewolves. And the coolest thing about it is when you come, they give you an amulet. Notice that I'm saying amulet. They give Good you job. an amulet. <laughs> And you, you're supposed to wear it and it's supposed to protect you against the village's misfortune that's there so that you can enjoy this haunted play, street show or whatever, with this amulet on it. And inside the amulet, there's three grains of salt, which help protect you against incantation. There's three grains of wheat, which is a symbol of fertility. And there's three needles of rosemary, which are to favor love and beauty and then fight away evil spirits. Also, there's lavender flowers, which is the symbol of virtue and serenity. Isn't that mm. nice? That's very nice. That's definitely turning a negative haunting into a positive haunting. And here are some of the characters that you can see which are brought down from the lore of this area. This article that I'm going to read is an article written by the BBC and they did a very good job so i'm just gonna read it word for word do it one of the characters you'll see darting through the village festival is the monachicio or monicello literally means a little monk who according to local legend is the spirit of a child who died before receiving baptism oh. although gentle looking the red-hatted spirit has a playful sense of humor ripping off bedsheets to tickle unsuspecting feet and whispering sweet words in girls' ears. The only way to repel his pranks is to grab his little hat, since he cannot live without it. Another iconic sight at the festival are the werewolves that are known in the region as Lupumanare. Legends say these are normal men, born on Christmas at night, but on nights when the moon is full, they become wolf-like creatures that terrify whole villages. They're oh, victims shit. of a curse. 
and can only be liberated by the sting of a pin, the small loss of blood allows the men to return to normal. Now, this guy from this BBC article that I just read says that he, while he was trying to research for the project and like figure out what's the history behind this town, what's the history behind this uh, festival that happens every August, he says, quote, I encountered a sort of reluctance while I was investigating to collect material for the show. Those rituals lose their value the moment you talk about them. Hmm. So the art director of the festival is trying to create these like beautiful motifs about the mythology and about the stuff that's happening in the area. But the people of Colabraro, the local residents, are reluctant to tell him that. And he's saying it's because, oh, well, they, you know, they just don't want me to know because then it's going to lose the value. But I think these fucking people are hiding some shit. I think yeah. they're hiding. I think they're hiding actually a lot. Okay. Because I did some research. Oh, shit. And I found, I found out that werewolves are known to roam around this area of Italy. What? Is this going to be Literally. like our first official werewolf episode? Because we've mentioned, we've like teased little tiny tidbits about werewolves in past episodes. But if, you're, if you've got an actual werewolf story right now, that I think that's going to be like the first time on this show. This is beyond a story, okay? I'm telling you this Colabraro is like, have you seen Twilight? Yes, I have. Unfortunately. Okay. Yes. This... <laughs> Colabraro <laughs> is like literally Twilight. Like there are secret werewolves roaming around this area and everyone knows it and like they're being quiet about it. Okay. That's I'm amazing. telling you these people are up to something. And here's why I think that. Because as you know, werewolves is comes from the term lycanthrope, which is a term that comes from the Greek word for lycos, which means wolf, and anthropos, which means man. And Fun fact, lycanthropy is recognized as the psychopathology that leads sufferers to believe they can physically morph into wolves. Oh, so it's also a mental disorder? Yes. Where people oh, think they literally are going to turn into a wolf. Okay. So it's like a furry, but more extreme. Right. And a mental illness. I guess we could, well, <laughs> I'm not going to say that furries are mentally ill, but I'm not going to not say that they're not mentally <laughs> ill. <laughs> Also, I love furries. I watched um, a Barcroft documentary on these two furries, which if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, Barcroft is this YouTube channel. I think it's British. And they it's like this like very smooth voice British woman who voices over these fucked up situations. So she's like, oh, and then Peter met his loved one, <laughs> Lucy. But there was just one problem. Lucy thinks she's a deer and Peter thinks he's a wolf. Like, how will they make their relationship work? And it's like a five minutes of just a cameraman following around British people. It's amazing. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that. It was incredible. And it's real. These people are real. And they, you know what? I hope they're doing well. And you know what else is real? Werewolves. <laughs> Here's why I know, okay? Have you heard of this tale that comes from ancient Greek about Lycaon? I don't think so. Okay. However, so I did do a report on werewolves in English class in high school. So some stuff may come back to me. Oh, lovely. You need to pull that up. I'm sure everyone's very interested in hearing about that. Yes. Mr. Pollock uh, was my English teacher. <laughs> He's the one who called me a strumpet, which we talked about 
in a different episode. If you don't know what a strumpet is, neither did I. And then I Googled it and I said, is my teacher calling me his little slut? Because <laughs> he would say, oh, Alyssa, my little strumpet. <laughs> oh, wow. And I was like, this wow, is confusing. Wow, that would not fly today. I was like, I'm 14. I don't know what you're talking about. I have a middle part and braces. <laughs> he was saying you were a strumpet. You know, you weren't going to be a full-on whore until like 16. Right, right. <laughs> like a whore in training. You were just having the seed planted. Wow, can you imagine a t-shirt that says whore in training? Yeah, I don't think that would fly anymore. But you know what? He was, <laughs> Mr. Pollock, you ha- you were a weird dude, but I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's this Greek legend, and the reason you haven't heard of it might be because I'm saying the name wrong. So anyone who does, like, Greek mythology, I'm sorry, this is what this word looks like in English, and that's the language that I speak, okay? I'm going to read it to you. Once upon a time, there was Lycaon, one of the first kings of Arcadia. Lycaon had 50 sons and three daughters. One day, Lycaon offered the flesh of his own children to a beggar who had asked for hospitality as a meal. Little did Lycaon know that the beggar was actually the father of all gods, Zeus, who notoriously loved shape-shifting to run after mortal women and limps without his wife Hera noticing. Zeus didn't like Lycaon's practical joke and punished the king of Arcadia by transforming him into a wolf, forcing him to roam forever in the lands of Arcadia. The connection between Lycaon the man-wolf and southern Italy comes from one of Lycaon's sons, Posetius, who mythology names as the first Greek to sail and settle in southern Italy, specifically the region we know today as Puglia which is the heel of Italy's boot, right next to the arch where Colabraro is. Additionally, werewolves were known and feared in Puglia, as early as the Middle Ages, when they were considered the embodiment of demons. There was also a fairly straightforward explanation for their existence, as tradition said that male babies born in the night between the 24th and the 25th of December would be punished for the audacity of coming into this world the same day as Christ. Oh. Here's a wood carving from a werewolf attack in 1512. Also, what a bummer. I feel like people with birthdays around Christmas always have the shit end of the stick because everyone combines their Christmas gift with their birthday gift. And now they have to worry about transforming into a werewolf. It just doesn't seem fair. Oh, so Natalia just sent me a picture. The caption says, Woodcut of a werewolf attack by Lucas Cronache de Altair in 1512. And I'm looking at an what appears to be a black and white illustration, but I guess it's a wood cutting. And there is literally a man crawling on the ground on all fours. He looks insane. He's very hairy. <laughs> I would not call him a wolf, but I would say he looks like an insane man. And he has a baby in his mouth. And then there's just body parts of men like scattered around the ground. And then there's a woman crying in a barn in the background or in a house it's either a house or a barn and then there is either a little person or a child i like can't really tell holding onto her dress so she it's, she looks upset. it's a very very chaotic scene to it's say very chaotic least, right yes i actually really like it <laughs> okay <laughs> actually i was gonna say like how are people in 1512 not like 
hey, are you okay to the guy that made this wood carving of werewolves eating children? Well, maybe he was a witness. Can you imagine just going into like somebody's shop and and where they sell art they've made and just looking around and like every single picture (laughs) is just like a horrifying murder scene? And then just being like, oh, hmm, what a talented artist. That's how I feel whenever I'm on r slash creepy on Reddit and people will like post like really well done artwork that they've made but it's like the most disturbing nightmare inducing artwork I've ever seen it'll be like a man with zippers for his eyes and mouth and like they're like (laughs) look at this uh painting I did and I'm just like holy shit what happened to you but also I love it like I it (laughs) speaks to my soul Uh, Yeah, Alyssa would be the perfect client for this guy. So back to the story. Fearing the proliferation of werewolves in their land, medievals had developed a series of rituals to free unlucky newborns who were born on those days before Christmas from turning into werewolves when the full moon shone in the sky. In one ritual, the baby's father had to stand on the roof of his own home at midnight and shout, Inatu nu stregone alla casa mia, which means a creature of magic was born in my house. By screaming that from his roof, he would make the curse manifest to the world and thus break it. And I just have a bunch of question marks by that because, like, I don't understand how that works. Like, you stand on a rooftop and you're just like, my son is a werewolf, and that breaks the curse. Also, wouldn't you want to hide the fact that your son or was born? Wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. So if you had a daughter, she wouldn't, on that day, she wouldn't be a werewolf. It's only if it was a man, like a boy, I mean. Oh, no, it's only male babies. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's only male babies that were born between the 24th and the 25th of December. That's really interesting because on this show, we've talked about how women get the shit end of the stick in history when it comes to being outed as witches. But now we're seeing that men get the shit end of the stick being outed as werewolves. So maybe there is some balance in this world. (laughs) (laughs) Not where I thought you were going with that, but I'll take it. Other rituals were darker and more dangerous. In other regions, a newborn's father had to cross the child's feet with burning embers to cleanse his soul from evil. An even more gruesome version of the exorcism involved placing the baby inside a burning oven for a few seconds so that the light and fire could restore his soul's purity. That's fucked up. If parents didn't act timely and the child grew to be a true werewolf, Julia's traditions say that he could still be saved if a fearless hand managed to wound and draw blood from his forehead during a lycanthropy episode. Because through the blood, vessel of the demonic infection, evil would leave the boy. The ties between Puglia and werewolves are not only found in regional oral lore, but also in architecture. Near the Cita degli Ulivi, which means the city of olive trees, as Bitonto is known, we find the Torre del Lupomino, which is the dialectal word for werewolf. I'm going to show you a picture of this. This is a house. Okay. This is a house? So, yes, this is a stone building that is a 17th century building, and it was known as being home to the local werewolf of that town, which is why it's called the Torre del Lupomino. Okay, so what I'm looking at, guys, is a stone building that has a giant archway on the right with a stone bench underneath it, and then the left just has a stone 
square archway into the building. It looks very odd. It doesn't look like any house I've ever seen. It doesn't look like a house. It looks like a big bridge. And then it just has like this one room with a tiny window. And doesn't yeah. that tiny room kind of look like a jail cell or like a cage or something? Because it has no windows other yeah. than this tiny little itty bitty window like that window probably is what maybe like six inches by three inches or something yeah it's very small and it, it makes me think maybe this guy was a werewolf because if the moon is shining too bright into your like the full moon is shining too bright into your room the moon yeah. is what makes you transform right so maybe he needed a little tiny window so that not a lot of moonlight could get through <laughs> i like <laughs> i like that you're like interpreting it as if this is his home so he's like created this like place that's comfortable for him to live yeah. as a werewolf where i interpreted it as this was like a cage made for this person like people oh. threw a werewolf in this place but you know who knows so this 17th century stone building was home to the local werewolf who was a direct descendant of the man who began it all king lycaon and here, in this rural, charming corner of the province of Bari, werewolves' legends and tales are particularly abundant. Many locals reminisce about the terrifying stories their grandparents used to tell them about werewolves. And some of the elderly residents swear that when they were young, they could hear werewolves howling and growling at the full moon almost every month. The older people of Bitonto remember distressing nocturnal close encounters with werewolves, which took place not only in the open countryside, but also in the city center. Also, further adding to the lore, this structure that I just sent you, the Torre del Lupomino, is thought to be derived from the Latin word lupus, which means wolf in Latin, and is also the name of an ancient noble family and probably original owner of the tower since the 16th century, the lupus family. And I sent you a picture of their family shield. Can you go ahead and describe what the lupus family shield looks like? <gasps> okay, so Natalia just sent me this. It's a... It, I mean, it looks like a shield, but then on the inside, there appears to be a blue wolf above like a either blue pond or maybe the grass is blue. And then behind it, there's a black night sky with a bright yellow either star or the moon. Right, exactly. So this is a 12th century lupus shield. It's a blue wolf on a countryside and it has a star with six golden rays around the head of the wolf. And it was ascribed to the nobles of this area. In 1282, the family that had this shield was registered among the noble families of that area. And they were already qualified at that time as very, very ancient. So... Basically, in this region, there's a horrible traditions of werewolves that are terrorizing the town. Plus, you have an old building that literally looks like a cage or a jail cell for werewolves that's supposedly owned by an ancient family known by Lupus who has a wolf in their family shield. Suspect. Have you seen Twilight? Yeah. <laughs> Need I say more? Literally watch Twilight and that is what we're talking about here. Wow. Well, it... it I have no words. I'm speechless. Yeah, that family is definitely a family of werewolves. There's no other explanation. Straight up in southern Italy, there were werewolves 
the whole point of this episode, the reason that I have brought talked to you about all these ghost towns in the area being haunted and being plagued, okay, I brought up the fact that Colabraro is haunted and you can't even say the name because people are sketched out about it. People literally speed through the town because it has such bad luck. And then I also told you about how there's werewolves there since ancient Greek times when this king brought his son there and there was werewolves <laughs> and then also we have literally a edifice a building that is still standing to this day that is known as the house of the werewolf that has been traced back to a family whose lineage of the shield has a wolf on it who were literally known by the local villagers as being werewolves what the fuck straight up in southern italy there are and or were werewolves lurking around in our not so distant past and it's straight up the biggest Italian secret, and I'm exposing it. It also sounds like in this theory, there's a l- family lineage of werewolves. Like this family was a family of werewolves, and then their offspring are werewolves. And anybody born also on Christmas Eve night becomes a werewolf. And so it's just right. like this whole area is just teeming with families of werewolves. That's what it sounds like to me. And the Italian elders are saying that they remember having close encounters with werewolves in the city. And like, old, do old people lie or do they not? I don't know. I can't decide if they're like really honest <laughs> because they're going to, they're about to die and they're like, fuck it. I'm just going to tell the truth. Right. Or like do they just not give a shit? Yeah, yeah. Do they just not give a shit because they're about to die and they're like, fuck it. Like, I'm let, just going <laughs> to. Let me let fuck it with fly. someone. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? That makes me think on my deathbed in the future, I'm going to be like to my great grandson, I'm going to be like, come closer. Come closer. I was a werewolf. And then I just die. And then for the rest of his life, he's just fucked up because he's like, was my great great grandma a werewolf? Why would she say that? My great great grandma wouldn't lie to me. She was a sweet lady. And then I just like have the last laugh in the afterlife. Dude. Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to know. It's hard to know. There's also this other strange thing that I came across. I it goes kind of with the Malocchio, which is where like you don't wish someone to have good luck. So, oh. in American culture, you'll hear people all the time say like break a leg or um good luck or whatever, but Italian superstitions believe that wishing good luck does the opposite and it actually brings you misfortune. So, instead of telling people to have good luck, Italians say Bocca al lupo, which translates to in the mouth of the wolf. Oh, that's interesting. So in the mouth of the wolf means good luck? I don't I don't understand, but I just I don't understand, but I just saw wolf and I was like, what? Like you know yeah. like that guy from the fairy fairly godparents where like whenever he sees fairies, he freaks yeah. out because he like believes there might be fairies. Yeah. I felt that way about wolves. So like I just found anything that was Italian having to do with wolves to just connect it all. So if you guys want want to just like imagine this story that I told today as just like a bunch of puzzle pieces like floating out in space and then there's just like red strings like connecting all of them and they're right. all connected somehow but I like haven't exactly cracked the code of what I'm talking about but well, I think I, it's that there's werewolves <laughs> in Italy. <laughs> well also like it's very interesting because basically this town, it's known for being a town full of bad luck, right? It's known as right. a town full of hauntings. 
but the people themselves won't tell you why. So all we really have are sources from outsiders who have gone in and kind of done what you're doing, right? Which is like, well, you know, there's allegedly werewolves in this area. Maybe that's why there's all these hauntings. Oh, there's like right. this old woman that was born here who is like, I don't know, who a witch. was a sorceress. So like maybe mm-hmm. that's why. Or there was this, the mayor was um, a lawyer and a chandelier fell down while he was like being fucking full of himself like maybe that's why and I also now that you're saying like the people won't talk about why it's haunted I wonder if that's because when you're actively living out like some haunted bullshit you it's almost like by saying it out loud you're making it true you know what I mean like because I feel like sometimes when really bad shit is happening to me I don't want to talk to anyone about it because the second that you say it out loud it's like that makes it real so I wonder yeah. if that's what part of it is. Like they're maybe they've like made peace with whatever the haunting is in their area. And they're worried that by like explaining all of these puzzle pieces that you're giving us, like it's going to make that haunting like worse. You know what I'm saying? Right. Am I making sense? Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. Uh, yeah, it definitely does. Like they because it is real for them, they don't want to talk about. It. Like them not wanting to talk about it makes it seem more suspicious. Yeah, absolutely. Because if they were just like, "Sure, I'll talk to you about it." Well, we have all these stories that come to us that are just bullshit and it's just a lot of fun, you know? That it's like totally different than like, "I refuse to talk about this with you." Yeah, I, it makes me feel like there's something really credible to the town being haunted like there's some like you said what is the secret like what do they know what are they hiding from us like because Mm -hmm. if it was just a town full of people that were like yeah I guess back in the day there was some folklore about a sorceress and a lawyer and now like as a gimmick to get tourists here we call ourselves the most cursed haunted town on earth like you know (laughs) then I'd be like okay it's bullshit right it's like a tourist attraction but because they're like we refuse to talk about it No, we will not explain it to you. And in fact, we don't want any outsiders coming to our village. Now I'm like, okay, what's going on? What is the secret? Right. Yeah. So the theories about why is Colabraro haunted, we've got werewolves, we've got witches, we've got ghost children running around the street tickling you. That's, yeah, that I didn't comment on that earlier because I was just picturing that in my head and it (laughs) creeped me out. We've got the evil eye, like perhaps they've been cursed by this Malocchio. I don't know. And side note, I asked my friend who's a real Italian, born in Italy, lives there now. I was like, have you heard of Colabraro? And she was like, no, I haven't. And then I was like, huh, another one who's (laughs) refusing to talk to me about this. If you guys are listening to this and you are Italian or you have a relative that was born in Italy and is Italian or if you have been able to come across the secret and like connect some dots, maybe you are fluent in Italian so you can like go on to some weird message board and like dig Mm -hmm. around and find out like what the origin story is or why this place is so cursed please write us an email. Let's get hauntedpod at gmail.com or when Natalia posts the photo dump for this episode on Instagram at let's get haunted, please leave a comment with what you've heard about this place or if you have any insider knowledge because I am very interested. I feel like Natalia has stumbled upon a like 
generational regional curse and maybe our audience has the ability to solve it because I have never heard any podcast ever talk about this before. Yeah, there's not a lot of information about it other than what I've told you guys. Very interesting. Maybe we just need to go to Italy now. I still want to go to Ohio, but I feel like Ohio is now number two and yeah. Southern Italy is number one. Come on, guys. <laughs> Make it happen for us. <laughs> I think we just need to get our show on the Travel Channel and then right. have them send us to Colabraro. I mean, what do you guys think? Comment below if you think it's werewolves. That's it. So everyone <laughs> should be commenting right now. You should be commenting, yes, it is werewolves. I kind of, I still kind of think that story that you told about at the beginning about like witches going around a tree trunk, like with a goat's head, like I'm like, what was going on there? Like, what was that all about? Because that seems very much like a curse origin. Is it or is it just a bunch of gals having fun on a haunted afternoon? You know, I am so once a month. I am so like socially deprived since this pandemic started that honestly, that sounds like so much fun to me. If I could just see a couple of friends and dance around a tree stump, I would be the happiest person on earth. (laughs) Witches, I feel like, are always having the most fun. You know, they're like getting naked and flying around and stuff in the middle of the woods around a fire chanting. Yeah. I saw something that went viral recently that was like, if like old olden time witches flew around on broomsticks, then would modern witches fly around like roller skate on Roombas? And I fucking thought it was pretty funny because we don't use brooms. Oh, like we don't use brooms anymore right. we use Roombas so are they like would they roller skating they would through like the sky on it? you know they have like one Roomba on each foot oh uh, yeah I picture them just like on one and it's like a hoverboard for them yeah or maybe sit down like I've witches deserve to rest too I feel like why are they got to be exercising every time they go fly somewhere like core strength to hold yourself up on the broom core strength to hold right. yourself up on the Roomba let them sit on the Roomba I've never contemplated the core strength of witches until now. It's what makes but them you're so right. scary because not <laughs> only can they cast spells, but they have like 17 abs. There's no other way for them to balance on that broom. You're right. You're right, Alyssa. There's there's never been a time that you weren't as right as you are now. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, did you like this episode? Because I've fucking loved it thank you so much Natalia for telling me about this I've never heard of this town ever and I am a little nervous that we used the name so many times when we're not supposed to speak it according to the lore we really took a bullet for the LGH fam I'm gonna go ahead and cite my sources because uh, you guys can tell which articles I was reading and which I was talking okay so here are my sources Wikipedia of course love-hate relationship with them (laughs) please give us an article (laughs) bbc.com atlasobscura.com bwalls pwalls 2018.files.wordpress.com what? (laughs) the new zealand herald.co.nz livejournal.com backslash uh, the, the the sorceress of livejournal.zanga.edu travel.9.com.au 
Facebook.com slash history haunted slash videos. MisiItalian.com. ItaloAmericano.org. SlowItaly.YourGuideToItaly.com. MondiMedievali.net. And I'm going to also copy and paste all of my links in the description for this episode so you guys can explore those if you'd like especially if you speak italian maybe you can understand more of what was going on than i could i'm still <laughs> laughing at the wordpress what is b walls p walls 2018 it's just somebody's username uh, that's how I feel every time I cite Reddit. I'm like, uh, user balls on my face 420 <laughs> said this on r slash unsolved mysteries. <laughs> balls on my face 420? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god, that's an amazing username. Wow. Well, guys, thanks for listening so much. I had a great time. Thank you, Natalia, for taking me on this virtual journey, this auditory journey to a cursed Italian land. It was a delight. You're so welcome. I'm glad we could go there together. Yes. Do you want to our... What does B walls P walls mean? Like, what is it? Balls to the wall? I don't know. Ball B walls... Okay, the B stands for balls. The walls is walls. P is pussy. Walls. So balls, wall, <laughs> balls to the wall, pussy to the wall. <laughs> WordPress. <laughs> B walls, P walls. There's no way. I can't it, stop but, laughing. Why would someone with a username like that have an entire like blog spot essentially on italian witches i'm like i'm hyperventilating you guys i record in my closet it gets very hot in here and now i can't stop laughing so i just feel like i'm gonna pass out go ahead and do our sign off okay hold on i tried i tried to swallow while laughing why is it so funny b walls -walls. i don't know know. maybe i haven't gotten enough sleep no i think it's very funny too the more i say it the funnier it gets and it's actually really funny because i clicked on the link to be like what is this and it's literally just says italian witches an introduction and there's a five page professional report all about italian witches honestly my sign off for this episode i think is just brb i gotta go find b walls b walls and make them my best friend because they brought me so much joy this evening. Thank you, B-Walls, P-Walls. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you to the Haunted Fam. Bye! Bye.